Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly, along with Chuck Davis and Doc Lang. I'm Lyle Stokes, and welcome to the show. We uh, we've been talking about some uh, transitioning catfish stuff uh, to visit with everybody about tonight. But before we get started, uh, I would like to congratulate Jim Gillenwater and Stephanie for the fish uh, the win at the tournament, the Jack and Jill tournament, Twisted Cat Outdoors held in Canton, Canton Missouri last weekend. Uh, the weigh-in wasn't a bunch of giant fish, but they worked really hard and put 32-plus uh, uh, pounds of fish in the boat and, and had a really good time. There were some guys from St. Louis that come up, uh, never been up in there, and, and, and got second place. And I'm sorry, fellas, I, I forgot your names, but uh, I'll try to get that, and, and we'll talk about it you know, at the end of the show. But uh, tough water conditions. I was telling these guys a while ago that, Yesterday afternoon, we was in front of a, the end of a wing dike and in four mile an hour current, uh, which isn't a great deal. But there was three foot rollers coming up river over top of the wing dikes. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable that the wind was blowing that hard because in the morning, you know, there wasn't any wind and and it was really rough. And and kudos to Cat River anchors. I put a sixteen pound out the front of that monster cat and a 10 out the back and locked her down solid. It didn't move, didn't, uh, did, didn't do anything, just a little bit of sideways stuff and, and it was, it, it's awesome. I mean, you guys got to take a look at their anchors. They are, they are super bad and uh, if you're in heavy current of any kind, uh, you just, you got to have one of them. That's all there is to it. Uh, Chuck, how's it going, buddy? Good man, I had to bring my anchor out Saturday too when the wind kicked up, and it it stuck really good too. I love them. Yeah, uh, it stuck. Cool. Yeah, with uh, it stuck really good in that all them rocks on that uh Cabela's Classic, uh, that two day event that I fished. Mm -hmm. and, um, I finally and I finally got to break the uh, you know the <laughs> the zip ties off and retrieve it. Um, I mean I I was. I mean, it was whipping the boat around. It was stuck so good. I couldn't get it. But as soon as those uh, zip ties broke, it came right up, put two more on it, and I was ready to roll. Well, now, I'm going to say something about that. And and uh, when I talk to them guys, and, and I haven't talked to them recently for uh, for various reasons. You know, everybody's busy and all that stuff. But uh, <clears throat> when they put those zip ties on from the factory, those are rated at 100-pound zip ties. Uh and for me to break them in a the boat these days, I have to use the big motor. And, <laughs> and I, I went with a smaller zip tie, and hell, I still can't break them. I can't. You know, I still have to. I still got to use the motor. You know, I'll be up on the front, and, and uh, for the most part, when I'm pulling them anchors up, I'm doing it with my right hand because I can't lift that much with my left hand. And and I'm I'm pulling that rope up, and when it gets to where I can't pull it and break it loose, so I just wrap it around one of them drift masters. Tell Cindy to throttle the boat forward a little bit until it comes loose. And uh, we done that, I believe, three or four times yesterday, and I never broke one of the zip ties, but the anchor come up, and the end result is I got what I wanted. But uh, uh, them 100-pound uh, zip ties, I, I don't know how in the world it – I mean, it'd take a real man to break them babies by hand. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah, they're hard to shear. They are. How you doing tonight, Doc? Good. Chuck's – Chuck's killing me with this background that he's got back there. That water and ways I'm sitting here dying in Springfield. So. Well, 
You know, Leanne used to post pictures. She hasn't done it for a little bit, and I know she hasn't been feeling real well, but she used to post a lot of pictures of going out uh, in the mornings and feeding the ducks and and walking around that lake they live on and and, uh, taking walks with their little dogs and stuff. And and, uh, I hope she does that again one of these days when she feels a little better because it's pretty decent uh, to be able to walk out your front door and and uh, walk to the lake and just barely, you know, I know they're not very far from it, are you, Chuck? No, the, I mean, I'm on my front porch right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Can you cast what? to it if you had to? Yeah, I can cast to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, but, this, what lake is that? What lake is in the background? This is Lake uh, Logan Martin. I'm on the skinny water. I'm about 13 miles from Neely Henry Dam. Oh, okay. And I'm about nine miles from uh, I-20 Bridge, which is a real popular bit bridge for the uh, to boats to get out on Talladega weekend when the race is releasing, and all the boats to get out when the traffic's uh, you know leaving Talladega, and a lot of good stuff goes on out there. <laughs> oh, I bet it okay. does. Okay. <laughs> that Talladega is. How far are you from Talladega? Um, from the interstate, I'm probably about 10 miles after I hit the interstate. You gotta, you know, I'm a, I'm uh back in pretty close to a city called Raglan, uh, Ohatchee area. Uh, it takes me 10 minutes to get to Pell City. Uh, then from Pell City, I can probably be. It's a it, it's three exits down, so it's not very far. I'll uh, tell you a story right quick. Doesn't pertain to catfishing whatsoever, but back. Years and years ago, a guy asked me to go to Talladega to the races, and, and I loved it down there. It was such a lot of fun. <clears throat> and I had a cousin, uh, Tony, uh, he's several years younger than I am, and at the time he was right around 21, 22 years old, and and uh, we jumped in a motorhome and, and went down there and stayed for several days, and we pulled into a little town and didn't, know exactly how to get the racetrack. I think it was Childress. Is there a Childress down there? Or Childers yeah. or okay. Childersburg. We pulled up to a four yeah, Childersburg. We pulled up to a four way stop sign and this kid, like I say, he's just a kid and and uh, I'm asking directions out the window of the motorhome and it, there was a bunch of little girls selling tickets or raffles or whatever it was at the at the four way stop. And I got the directions I needed, and I drove off. And these other guys in the back of the motorhome said, "Hey, hey, Tony got out back there." And I said, "Oh, boy!" And he, you know, I just kept driving. And about the time we got out of town, they convinced me that he actually had got out of the motorhome. So I get this thing turned around, and I go back, and he's standing in the middle of the road with one of them little cows under each of his arms. You know, he did a home run. He was ready for us to leave him there, but uh, it was kind of a funny deal. That was probably, oh, I don't know, late 80s, early 90s, something like that. It was a long time ago, but, uh, you know, it was a pretty good deal. Uh, how'd the tournament go down there that you guys had, Chuck? No, we had a good time. Um, that everybody's calling, wanting to have more of them, so we got to find somebody to uh, to put these suckers on, I guess. Um, you know, with, with Daniel's bad fortune of, um, you know, with his weekend work now, being mandatory and all, it's really put a really stressful, you know, bad situation on all the guys down here that's really wanting to get out and tournament fish. So um, we're trying to put some things together right now. Maybe somebody will step up and uh, have the time to do it. 
but you know, as far as right now, everybody just wants to get together and throw money in the fruit jar and let's fish. So I'm yeah. okay with that right now. As long as you guys are having a good time, doesn't matter if you're in a big tournament, little tournament, or if you're throwing the money in your jar, it doesn't make no difference. As long as everybody has fun, don't no no arguing and stuff, just just get your done. That's oh, the yeah. main thing. It was great, man. Everybody just jumped in. We came back and um you know, John Baker, he already had the scale set up. Um you know, a couple of guys, Cody and Josh, they just jumped out of the boat, started <laughs> We had our uh, bottom dweller wastelings running around grabbing fish and, and weighing them on the uh, on the scale and everybody releasing fish and it was I mean everybody you know, just jumped in and we knocked it out and had a good time. <laughs> I really think that that's something uh, and I know I make suggestions to these tournament directors all the time. They're probably sick of hearing it, but I'm not going to stop. So you might as well just listen to it and and uh, either listen to it and appreciate what I have to say for what it's worth or just blow me off, but. I really think that all these tournament directors should consider having those wastelings. And to my knowledge, the ones Dave has are the best on the market right now. Uh, these big fish being dropped at them tournaments, and, and nobody intentionally drops a fish. But anybody that's ever had a hold of a decent-sized fish, and they get to flopping and twisting, uh, sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Hard to control. Yeah, they are hard to control. They're wild animals. They, they they don't know what's going on to them, don't have any idea. The only thing they know is they want to get back in that water and get gone. Yeah, they're but, all, all muscle, man. You get you get a 60-pound muscle flopping around and slapping you in the face. That's uh, right. Yeah, it's they, they can shoot right out of your arms before you know it. They really can, and I think that, that uh, if all these tournament directors would make them available, I think more people would use them, and you can still take them out of the sling, get your picture taken, and get them back in there. It's good on their, it's not as hard on their slime code, I don't think, as a lot of other things, because uh, they took that into consideration when they was making those, and they come in a variety of sizes, so uh, whether you're having 15-pound channel cat or 100-pound blues, it doesn't make any difference. You can cover any range you want, and, uh, you know, I know everybody's trying to save money, but uh, when you drop a fish, uh, chances are if it weighs 40, 50, 60, or more pounds and you drop it out of your arms like that, even though it's still alive and you turn it loose, chances are it won't survive. Uh, and I've actually seen guys lift them up out of their boat and hold them up, which everybody does. I do the same thing. I'm not knocking anybody for that. Don't, don't misunderstand. But I seen a guy one time drop one, and not only did it fall to the ground, it fell the his distance plus the distance of the boat. Hmm. And uh, we're talking probably six and a half foot. Um, I, I can't imagine that fish surviving that because they're used to being in a, a situation where there is, there's no gravity to pull them down. Yeah. They're, they're just, you know, so... Uh, they're buoyant. They're buoyant all the time. Exactly. And, and I think these guys ought to consider having those. And for the people that don't think they can handle or are struggling to handle them, uh, go ahead and give them one of them wastelings and let them get them fish safely in and out. Uh, we're, we're working really hard on regulations across the United States to make sure that that we keep these breeding size. People call them trophy catfishing. They're breeding size fish. We, you know, there's plenty of fish to eat. There's no sense killing those big giants that just laying millions of eggs every year. So uh, we need to make sure that we keep them. Uh, taken care of and get them back as fast and as gently as we can and let them go on. Hell, you never know. Next next year, you might catch that baby again, and that 40-pound fish might be a 50 or 55, and, and that's what we're all looking for. Yeah, we was, uh, you know, David started <laughs> David started emptying his live well out. Um, 
all hundred gallons of it, and he's got a nice boat, man. But uh, we we put our wastelings up under, you know, got them real saturated because they got to be, you know, wet to uh, to help the catfish with a slime coat. You can't put a catfish in them dry. You need to submerge them in the in your uh, live well in the lake or put them up under somebody's live well when they're draining it. Get them real saturated, and then the slime coat will just slide around on it. It won't stick. If you put them in there dry, the the whole slime coat's going to stick right to it, which is terrible on the fish and the uh, and the antibiotic coat that it has to you know prevent it from getting infections and all being gone. It takes them quite a while to build that back up. Yeah, I, th I think that that's a great idea. Um, something else that I wanted to mention was Heath and Elena Malone drove over from Rensselaer, Indiana to fish this tournament on the Mississippi River. Uh, I'm pretty sure they had a great time. Of course, Elena caught all the fish on her pink rods. Uh, I think that's fine. Uh, Heath and I visited earlier today, and I wanted to let you guys know that, that he said the scenery with her in the boat was so much greater than what it had been with some of his former partners. So I recommended to him that if that was in fact the case, that he just needed to get Jason, his uncle, a bikini and make him wear that in the boat to improve it, the scenery factor when Jason's fishing with him. And I don't know what you guys think about that, but if Heath can make it happen as good as he is with video stuff, uh, we need to get... Jason in there the next time they go out to one of these tournaments put him in a bikini and we all enjoy that site or not you know but I was I want to thank them for driving uh, five hours or better to come over here as you did a couple years ago doc you guys made a long trip to come over and fish that tournament it was a blast, uh, it, was a, it, it is it's a blast and, and, and Alex Nagy and his wife Elizabeth uh, they, you know, we turned that tournament series over to them a couple of years ago, and they have done the greatest job. They promote it. They do all the stuff with them, with that tournament series that you're supposed to do. Uh, they work really hard at it. It's run properly. It, you know, everything is a learning curve, but they picked it up. You know, you're gonna make mistakes when you start a new project of any kind. Oh, yeah. And there was a couple. But there was a couple, they got through it, they got it handled, and when you go to that thing now, it's as professionally done as, as any tournament series out there, and uh, his wife, Elizabeth, had the nerve to crawl in a boat and fish all day with Ken Pryor. Now, for you guys that don't know Ken Pryor, he is a hoot, he's the most fun you can have uh, without catching a fish, he's just a blast. He's a really good guy. He does a lot to help Alex and Elizabeth do stuff. He'll help anybody back their boat and trailer in the water if you're having issues or if you're uh, whoever your partner is, whether it be your wife or someone else. This guy's a professional truck driver. He drives over the road all the time. So getting a boat in and out isn't a deal for him. And uh, he helps everybody with everything. And of course, uh, uh, Seth McAllister and and um, his little girlfriend, Laura, they drove down from up around Chicago. We had a lot of long-distance drivers come, and there was a lot of local people, and it was a really fun tournament, as it always is, and I can't wait for next year. Maybe we'll do a little better than we did this year, but, uh, you know, I have to thank my uh, Precision Powered Water Sports for, for letting us use that Monster Cat in these great tournaments. That is a, a magnificent boat. We really enjoy it, and and uh, Rob Clodfelder with uh, Whiskerware Apparel and all of our sponsors. Uh, but that tournament, if you guys ever get a chance to make the Jack and Jill tournament, grab you a female. They allow three people in a boat, 
but at least one male and one female. And uh, this is it not only promotes the the fact that you're getting women involved with it. It, it promotes kids because a lot of people will bring their daughters. I know Joe Lucky and Jerry Klein brought uh, Joe's daughter here a couple years ago. And, and by the way, this young lady's running for some kind of pageant thing. Uh, she's a beautiful little girl, Joe. I know you guys are so proud of her. Uh, and she works for the St. Louis Cardinal organization. What, you know, a Cubs fan with a daughter that works for the Cardinals, how much better can it get? It, it's awesome. But enough with that. We'll get on with some of that stuff a little later on. Uh, I do want to mention that I've noticed some issues of my own from being out in the sun uh, the last three days, and I noticed it last year a little bit. But uh, a, a friend of mine, Mark Davis, does Big Water Adventure show on television, and I know a lot of you guys watch that show. And uh, Mark always talks about the skin cancer thing. He's had some issues with that. And, and I'm not sure, I don't have, not saying I got any issues like that. Don't misunderstand me. But I'm getting little bumps and stuff, and, and I never worried about that before. I just kind of let it run its course, and you tan and peel and go on. And the next thing you know, you stand up enough that you didn't have any issues throughout the year. But these, as you get to be my age, they don't go away like they used to, and it lasts longer, and it itches like crazy, and you're putting stuff on it all the time. And I want to recommend to everybody that goes out in these fish, not only fishing tournaments, but goes out fun fishing, sitting on the bank or in a boat or, or whatever, to use your sunscreen and use it liberally. Uh, it'll save you in the long run. Uh, we keep it in the boat, and we keep extra in the boat. We keep extra in the truck. Uh, just for those reasons, and and I wanted to touch on that for just a minute. I know you guys have probably got some some things with that before we start getting into the transitioning fish, but I really think that this is important, and we ought to uh, let people know what we think about this stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm using a long sleeve shirts, uh, UFP coverings that uh, the shirts are designed to cut down that sun, sunglasses, uh, I, and I've really gotten into wearing the neck gaiters. Uh, they just cover you up. You know, the only thing to expose, you, you tuck your hat down over top of them, and the whole back of your neck is all covered. The whole front area is all covered. But what's nice about it, you just feel it, once you start uh, getting a little sweaty, then it, it takes and kicks that thing in, and it just, it's cold on the back of your neck. So you stay nice and cool, even when it's really hot out there. That, that's outstanding. Now, Cindy used to buy me something a long time ago when I used to, to do competitive trap shooting. Uh, she had brought me some, they look like rolls that go around your neck, and you'd put them yeah. in a cooler full of ice, and you'd put on there. Uh, you know, we'd go shoot 100 rounds, and I'd, I'd put that in the cooler, and I'd grab another for the next 100 or, or, or shoot-offs or, or whatever. And they worked really good, but they wouldn't last all day unless you kept one in the cooler where you could refresh yeah. yourself and and stuff, but those gators, I noticed that Mark Farrell had one on the other day. Uh, I believe that uh, um, Mr. King had one. Uh, that's become a lot popular, and a lot of this stuff that we're incorporating into catfish, and not just this stuff, but technology and other things, are coming from other other types of fishing industries. They're coming. Some of this stuff's coming from the saltwater industry. Some of the the yeah. stuff is coming drifting. Uh, one of the, some of the, a lot of that uh, technology is coming from the walleye guys on the Great Lakes. They've been doing it for years. Yeah. And uh, I've got the this, gloves. I've got the gloves that you put on. They've got the half fingers. You know. That's yeah. That's I, that's all I have good. Issues on the backs of my hands. 
you know, that sun bearing down on it. So yeah, yeah, and it'll take. And the more you're out there, the more damage it's going to do. So yeah. Cindy wanted to, to let everybody know that Ken uh, Pryor did share bait with a lot of people. He had some good quality shad. Now we found a lot of bait, but the, it wasn't very big. But Ken was good enough to share it. And, and Heath Malone bought me some little, some small skipjack over to use uh, for what kind of fishing we was doing in the water we was doing it. They was probably about that long, and they was perfect. You know, I call them cutters. You cut them in one, just cut the tail off of them behind the gut pocket, or cut them twice maybe, uh, and have two pieces. Uh, they was outstanding bait. Uh, but all our all of our bites come on shad. Uh, the water's 61 and a half degrees to 62, depending where he's at. So uh, it won't be long, and and that's that's what we're going to get into here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was very nice of him to do that. A lot of the things that them guys do at these tournaments, helping everybody, they don't have to do, it, and everybody appreciates it. It's just, just a good deal. Uh, what do you guys think about transitioning from cold water to warm water as the water is warming up? What differences do you see? Well, you know, uh, when it starts getting in the lower 60s, <laughs> uh, I, b I believe that's when most of the um, – you know, most all the catfish, they, they start, you know, moving around a whole lot. Um, you know, a lot of them even start heading up the creeks and toward the dams, um, you know, trying to find good places to hang out and spawn. So I kind of shift my efforts from the from the uh, the fatter waters to the skinnier waters uh, that has more water flow, more oxygen. Um, you know, follow the bait fish. Wherever I see the bait fish are, I... That this is the time of year that I usually concentrate big time on bait fish. Um, you know, if I see them hitting the top of the water, if I see the birds uh, around a certain area, most of the time that's the part of the river that I'm I'm locating uh, fish in. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. On the river uh, right now, the flat <coughs> the flatheads are really starting to come alive. Uh, blues, you know, blues are always on the move all the time anyway. But the flatheads are starting to transition. You know, they're they're camping out on wood during daylight hours, and then they're moving up into the shallows at night. Um, and what we see mainly on the Ohio River right now is, you know, even though skipjack is really good, shad is is the ticket. Uh, using live shad, using fresh cut dead shad, uh, boy, that can just really bring him in. Uh, moon eye, moon eye, I guess we've had a pretty good hatch on the Ohio River this year, and, uh, well, in past years, so the moon eyes are out there really uh, going to town. People are catching a lot of moon eyes, so. Do the moon eye work as good for you over there uh, in, the, in the cold water as they do uh, in the summertime, Doc? Not so much in the cold water. Uh, you know, when the water gets up about 70, 75, 80 degrees, that seems to be when the moon eyes come. Uh, you know, they're an oily fish anyway. You know, when you drop them in the water, you can see the oil ring that comes off of them. And, uh, you know, and everybody says, well, they're really mushy. Well, the reason they're mushy is because they're so packed full of oil that uh, they're just going to stay mushy. Now, the ones that I catch around here, they don't bleed. I mean, you can bring them right out of the water and cut them right there, and there's just no blood comes up out of them at all. I don't know if they've got 
oil running through their veins or what they got, but uh, you know, you we don't see we don't see any blood coming out of them. But boy, the oil just rolls off of them. So they're one of my favorite baits, especially when the water gets hot. What's nice about the moon eye is you can take and just keep freezing them, unthawing them, freezing them, unthawing them. Uh, usually two, three times, and they really start to get prime uh, down here. Even with blue cats or with channel cats? Yeah, no, blue cats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is the is uh you know is it like skipjack to where a lot of times uh you know you only get hits on uh, big hits on the heads all day and not on the stakes? Do you see similar things with the uh, with the gold eye and the moon eye, or is it? Yeah, uh, I Yeah, I like using the heads. Lynn always likes using the body section. I mean, a few years back when she caught that West Virginia state record, it hit a body section, and, uh, you know, we were struggling to catch fish, and I rolled in about 45 foot of water, and uh, he just drilled the back rod down, and that was on a body section, and it was moon eye. So, awesome. Moon eye is really good bait. Sometimes they're elusive, and other times you can get them uh, real easy. Uh, I like to use them if I can find them. Uh, this time of the year right now they're really tough over on our water. Uh, of course they're not they're not in any of the lakes that I'm aware of anyhow. Yeah. Uh, but you know we get them on the Missouri and Mississippi and uh, tributaries and stuff like that. And sometimes you like I say sometimes you go in there and you can get enough to fish a couple days with and you might not find them again for two weeks or you might find them every day for two weeks. It just uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what happens to them and Skipjack when they're not in their places that you can find them it seems like they just disappear and they go somewhere and nobody knows where they're at. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, that, I know when I was in Tennessee like, a couple weeks ago, uh, I know I marked skipjack on my Lawrence. I know they were uh, skipjacks because uh, they weren't shad, the shad. You know, I, I can spot shad, but you know, we we started getting into the bigger blues and we were getting into big stripers, and you could see. You know, as I was going over, and you could see those fish ripping through those things. So I'm almost sure that they were skipjacks, and they were in like 40 foot of water. So you know, here I always called for years. I called them the silver ghosts of the river because you know they're there one day, and you need to go back, and they're gone. Or you can be you can be out there catching them like crazy, and you know, and then you know it seems like. You know, you're trying to get skipjacks in your boat. That's when you get, you know, you get two of them on, and one goes one way, one goes another way. They bust your rig, and then you look up, and you got to tie another one and get it ready. And by that time, they say sayonara, they're gone. <laughs> That's right, they're gone. So, yeah, they're gone that quick. So if yeah. on the, on that moon eye, I've never been able to use it before. I tried to get some on Monster Ohio last year, and it was really hard to get. Um, the, uh, you know, those guys that, I mean, that they won't, I mean, they totally believe in these things. They do everything they can to get fresh, fresh, fresh the day before the tournament. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're going to fish a big tournament like Monsters of the Ohio and you need every little advantage you got, um, uh, are you going to depend on that? Uh, moon eye or gold eye that you've uh, froze a couple of times or are you going to want to go out and and try to get you know four or five moon eye that may make the difference yeah I, I, I always try to get the fresh 
you know, fresh yeah. boys, you know, the, the, the frozen is, I just use strictly as a backup. Okay. So, so if you got, if you got what you're saying, if you, if you've got it frozen already, the first time it's frozen, um, and the second time you use it and the third time you use it, it it's, you pretty much see it equally or, or sometimes it even seems to get a little better, but that's, yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah. After I froze it, rethought it, froze it, rethought it, that kind of stuff. So, right. And you know, mushy baits like that, um, you know, that's also, you know, when you're going out and using chicken livers, um, there's nothing hard that can get in that hook set's way. Uh, you know, the crushing power of a blue cat, when they when they grab a hold of your hand and they squeeze it, you know, when they hit those live baits, I mean, those cut baits or live baits, and give it just a little tug and, and the eye, their eyeballs are popping out on them live brim. Um yeah. You know that they can squeeze some stuff, but sometimes some of that bait's so hard that it just don't, you know, squeeze it enough to be able to pop it off that hook and all. Yeah. Um, and I did a lot of different baiting um, this week. You know, tried a lot of different things, and I, I seem to my hookup rate has improved a lot since I've tried some different things and got away from, uh, you know, putting the hook through the hardest part of the baits where you cannot even rip it off. It seems like you know, if if that bait comes off that hook real fast, uh, my hookup rates got a lot better. Yeah. Yep. I think that's a, a wise thing, and I think you'll uh, you'll notice a lot of difference on that. Right. You know, and these these guys that have you know that totally believe in these moon eye and gold eye, um, you know, a lot of these guys, you, they're the ones that you see up there continuously, you know, in the top five at the Monster Deal Ohio. Uh, you know, most of the time, top one or two. Um, That's a really good bait. It's like I say, yeah. if you can find it, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And, you know, and, and while we're on that subject, you know, there's there's several ways to get those. You can catch them with jigs, and you can catch them with crickets, and yeah. uh, my my personal favorite way is to find them stacked there behind a barge, go up there and throw a dip, uh, a cast net, and get three or four of them and call it good. You know. Yeah, right. you got you got to look for those little rings. I don't know what they do. I think they come up under the surface, and you'll just see a ring pop up in behind of a barge or right. long rocks and stuff like that. When you start seeing those rings, you know those guys are coming in there. Um, now I like to use in uh, maggots, the little. Uh, wax worms, that's what mm -hmm. we use. Uh, the only reason I don't use crickets is I had a real bad, uh, when I went to the Mississippi, a uh, guy told me, he goes, oh man, they're hitting them on crickets. So I get out there, I'm in the boat, and I've got one of them little cricket containers. I don't know how many was in there. Probably, it, it just seemed like they multiplied while they were in that <laughs> container. But I'm bringing, I'm bringing them out, and I'm putting them on, and I'm just catching moon eye after moon eye. And then I didn't notice that I'd knocked a container over. And then, <laughs> man, I, I'll tell you what, I had crickets that were camping out on top of my hat. They were, you know, they were doing dipsy dives off my ears and up in my beard. And, you know, since that time, I do not use crickets. So, so yeah, it's bad. Oh, Crick, crickets and me do not get along. <laughs> And the only bad part about a cricket is it's only good for one time. You know, Moon Eye's going to pop him, and that's it. It's, 
you know, yeah. where, where the, the wax worms, a lot of times you can get maybe two or three of them. Well, what's the, what's the what's the best time of day if you was going if you had two hours to go get your moon eye during the day for the tournament the next day? When would be the most fail safe time for you to use those two hours to go get that bait? I like it in the evening, right Me before too. dark. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Late yeah when everything, especially if everything's starting to settle down, there's no wind or stuff. Them guys just start popping up everywhere. Yeah, now right it, there is is a lot of it's, it's a really good knowledge right there. When that wind settles down, it seems yeah. to me that the moon eye are a lot easier out. to come. Yeah, okay. they sure yeah. do, and it's less easier. And that's that's when the net deal. If you if you find them, uh, you can go in behind a barge or wherever they're hiding, whether it be on rocks or whatever. And when you start seeing them little rings come up, like Doc's talking about, you can throw that cast net and you can get you three or four of them. And uh, unless you're going to be traveling and going to someplace for for a tournament or whatever, you know that three or four of them usually they're pretty decent size, and and that'll last you for your fishing trip. So so when they come up and make those rings, it's like they're coming up and getting a, a kiss of air. And right I don't know. No, I think they might be feeding on bugs that are on the surface of the water. Okay. So. Yeah. Because yeah. I know we catch them, uh, and that's something else, you know, a lot of people, you know, we catch them up underneath of a bobber. I'll, I'll run a rig that's got two hooks on it, and it's about three foot long, and I'll stagger those hooks on that and then run that bobber and just adjust to whatever depth that, you know, I start catching them at. And, you know, and all we're doing is just kind of, you know, going into anchor lock mode right there using a trolling motor and just kind of hover right around in that area and you know they are a little bit spooky so you know you just don't want to throw that bobber in there real quick but uh, they, they, like, they like current yeah. seams yeah they like current seams yeah if you can find a current and that's what's nice about like Lyle said on on the back of a barge you have that current seam that comes across they they kind of hang right on that edge you know right there and and what I'll, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll take that bobber and I'll throw it right in that seam and let it go down there and watch how the bobber reacts as it's running that seam and then that's usually when you'll see those moon eyes and they'll you know you, you want to use a bobber that they can bring under real quick uh, no resistance because those those guys have a tendency of coming up they got those teeth that are on the front part of their mouth and they'll come up there and they'll, they'll just sit there and do this one of these numbers well that bobber will start shaking a little bit if you see that bobber start shaking you can snap them real quick and you and you'll hook them up if not they'll just chew that cricket off of there or that wax worm right off that hook yeah you're sitting there with a bare hook thinking you're fishing yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, I we had that happen a couple of times this tournament. You would reel up to move or, or reel up to, you know, after we have a little nibble or something, there'd be no bait on there. And Cindy kept telling me, she says, you can't catch anything if there's no bait on your hook. We you call it that, fishing, you know. fishing on credit. That's exactly what it is, too, buddy. It really is. It's tough to catch them. It's, you know, I've I actually seen a, a bluegill pond one time that you could put a bare hook in there and just jiggle a little bit, and now you get them. But... but that's a, a rarity, and you're not going to get catfish no. like that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't the believe. Guy, the guy I took fishing this weekend, you know, he he's a striper guy. You know, he guides a little bit, and he's never caught a, a catfish over 10 pounds. And you know, he got a 25. But we got some 
great takedowns on some skipjack kids where, where you know, that would take the uh, first couple of eyes down into the water. Um, oh, you know, and, and they would rip that head right off of two hooks. You know, I'd have a double hook rig on there. And he was just amazed how they got that big head off air and didn't get hooked. <laughs> I'm like, man, they're magic. I mean, they, they'll do it, man. You can, you can, I mean, you can put a J hook on and, and cross their eyes, but man, I, I just thought back about how many gut hooks I used to get and I don't even see that anymore. It makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it, but it's worth missing some fish every now and then by getting away from the gut hooks. Um, oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's the most, you know, especially when I started catching and releasing and learning to start catching you know, catfish over 20, 30 pounds consistently all the time, um, you know, and then, you know, immediately after four or five bad gut hooks, I was standardized all circle hooks and never looked back. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I am catching myself offsetting them a little bit more than I should during tournaments only, but I am cranking down on them really fast and probably too soon just to make sure that, you know, they're not getting it down in that belly. Um, you know, if I see my fishing line running with it, you know, I'm, I'm going ahead and doing a sweep on it pretty quick. A lot of times I pull it out of their mouth, but at least I'm not gut hooking them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I don't believe I've ever gut hooked a fish with a circle hook. I don't think I have. I've done the stripers because uh, they'll inhale a bait anyway, but no, as far as catfish, usually it's it's hung right in the corner of their mouth. Uh, the only other place I've seen them do, and it's real notorious with channels, is they want to hit it, and then a, the circle hook will pop out, you know, right around their eye socket. Yeah, or up through the uh, middle of their they head. That turn. Yeah, but to, you know, they make that, they bring that bait in, and then they make that turn, and usually that's when it pops in. So, but like I'm you said, I only see it on channels. Right. Small blues. Small blues. Yeah, small blues that do it. They uh, go right up through their forehead with that big uh, eagle claw be popped out right between the eyes. Funk. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it'll lay on them, boy. I really yeah. honestly believe that a lot of these fish that we catch that are blind in one eye, that's probably what's happened to us, a great number of them. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, you know, a lot of them fish you catch like that, and you're like, I don't know how I got him on a number ten. Um, <laughs> you know, and a lot of times you you don't even know how they got that bait, and you can't even get the bait back out of their mouth to reuse it. So how, you know, how'd they get it in there? You got a, you know, we catch a, a six pound blue, and he'll have a small skipjack head wedged in his mouth. You can't even pull it back out. And, yeah. I mean, they're. they're I mean, they'll hit them things. I'm not worried about using a number ten. When they no. say, when, they, when you know, when it's time to downsize, I might go down on the bait just a little bit. Um, but not, I'm not never worried about changing hooks. I mean, I'm not planning on catching one that's eight ounces. You know, um, you know, if if I'm overturning a fish, he's going to be over, you know, fifteen, sixteen inches anyway. Um, yeah. You know, and a, a fish that big, he's going to get that number 10 in his mouth if you got a little bitty piece of bait on there. I've seen some of the smallest ones that's imaginable get an 8 and 10 odd circle hook in their mouth. And you, it, like you, it's how in the hell did that happen? <laughs> and 
you know, you throw them in a live well to make sure they're going to be all right, and that pretty soon that hole will stop bleeding, and they're just swimming around there like with their howdy duty face on, waiting for you to throw them back out. They they seem to know you're not going to keep their little tired butts. Oh yeah. But you know they'll they'll quit bleeding pretty quick, and uh, you know I'm sure them just heal up and they go on because their their brain's about the size of a pea anyhow. Just not, but you know, it, 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 that's all they are. And uh, I know who was it over the weekend was telling me. Uh, I'm trying to remember that caught some some fish, and they was just so full that they, you know it's just little fish, but they just was rounded up with with where they'd been feeding up. But uh, uh, there was a lot of them that hadn't started feeding up yet. I'll tell you that. <laughs> It was pretty, Spe pretty soft bite. Speaking of these uh, transitional uh, springtime catfish, what what's some of your funnest times during the spring, some of the different tactics that you grew up doing that you just go out and have fun catching catfish after catfish, get up and under the dams and uh, bouncing them down the riffraff and you know stuff like that. Y'all do any of that stuff in the springtime? Uh, as far well, as I do, I don't. Uh, we're not allowed to fish dams here in Ohio. Uh, we can't go past the lock, the end of the lock wall in Ohio, which is, man, that's a lot of good fishing beyond yeah. that. But they don't allow us to go past the end of the lock walls. What I like to do is uh, target trips. Uh, usually there's a washout hole right at the mouth of a trip, and uh, flatheads like to come up in there, blues like to come up in there. Because, you know, that bait, a lot of times, especially early in the morning, that bait's kind of, you know, around those cricks, and they're coming out of those cricks, and then them big guys are sitting there waiting on them as they come out of those cricks. So right, I, you know, I like to target the tributaries. I do, too, and especially after a rain because you have an off-colored water yeah. washing stuff and out of them creeks. And, and my success has always been if you can get your bait right on that line where it's muddy and not as muddy, there's a, muddy you'll be able to clean, tell them, yeah. Right, and fish that right there because them fish are waiting for that stuff to come washing out of there, and that's what they're, they're eating it as it comes out of there. And yeah. uh, it's a really good place to fish in another spot in our area that a lot of people may or may not have. Uh, when we get those big floods on the Missouri and Mississippi River, all that water covers all the farm fields. And uh, when it's up in there like that, a lot of these guys will get out there, and I've done it before, and it's a blast. Uh, and they'll feed in these fields because these fields are full of them great big old night crawlers and, and earthworms. And, yeah. uh, what do they call them things? And river worms. They're big. They got nasty old oil in them or something. But anyhow, they'll get up in there, and them worms will come up out of there, and they'll stay up in them fields until the water starts receding, and they'll just gorge on them worms. Well, if you if that water starts going down and you get a bunch of night crawler stuff, you can take you a ball of, and, and bait on a hook about the size of a golf ball. Just keep putting them night crawlers or worms on there until it's about that big around. And where that's draining out of them creeks, just anchor above it and cast below it. And them old blues and everything will come right up in there because they've been used to eating them worms for two or three weeks. And you can just lay them out. Uh, and it's, I mean, I, I know guys that swear they've caught 90-pound fish doing that and with them big old balls of worms on them hooks. So, but do, uh, that's just, is there, do you all like going, uh, you know, be, between spring and the time that you, you're used to them spawning? Do you all like going 
uh, up, up into the tributaries and um, finding some deeper holes and stuff where they may get up in there and start staging and hanging out? Usually well, I, I try to stay on the main river. One of the things I like to do in the small creeks and, and small rivers and stuff is go up in there and find a, uh, um, a riffle, you know, where you can't take your boat through. And if you got some of them little white crawdads that you get out of a lot of ponds that don't have any fish in them, you can just throw them right up in there at the bottom side of the riffle, and you can catch them channel cat about last long just until they're gone. I mean, you just have a ball sitting there catching them things. Yeah, I've seen Jeff Williams do that on one of them sports shows. When it's uh, a lot of fun. I think, I think it was G3 Sportsman. They were go, they were going up a tributary like that, but they were using his uh, his signature baits. But that, they would just move up like 50 yards at a time. Um, mm -hmm. And eventually they would find them, and they would sit in that spot and just wear them out. Yeah. But they they wouldn't get not, they wouldn't get a bite until they got to that one spot. And it's like they'll just sit there and feed up in one spot, and move up the tributary a little bit more, and feed up some more, and like stay together. Um, well, but, little channel cats, they'll go up to them riffles, you know, where you like I say, when we was kids, we all had small boats and we little two and three horse motors, and we go up Salt River until you get to one of the riffles. You get out and you drag your boat over the riffle, and you take off and go to the next one. But uh, you can do that with a big boat on a lot of these small creeks and rivers and stuff where they drain into a big river or lake. You can go up in them, and you'll run into a riffle or a low spot that you can't get your boat through. And all that stuff washes over and it hangs up in the rocks and limbs or whatever's down in there. And them channel cats just go in there and they have a heyday. So if you've got some bait that they're wanting, and those little white crawdads work really good in rocks. I don't know what it is about them, but they work really good. But you can go in there and catch a mess of fish just right now in, in a place like that. Yeah. One of the places I... Go ahead, go ahead, Doc. This time of year I like to uh, target, uh, especially if the water's high, I like to target uh, areas where you see the, the heavy riprap. Uh, one of the things I've noticed that uh, when that water is ripping down through there, it hits those rocks, and that, that those rocks actually, you know, start slowing that water down, and those fish will start staging right in there. Lynn always has me get right up next to I, I get a little uncomfortable because she gets, uh, she wants me right up next to those rocks, and, and, most of the time, you know, she ends up catching some really nice flatheads, you know, doing that. So, you know, I, I like to stage those rocks and, you know, outside turns, bend, big bends in the river. Uh, this time of year, I like to target those areas. You know, anything that where there's structure, uh, you know, barge cell, barge cells are, are an area that a lot of people don't even target. Man, there's usually a big old washout hole in the back. Flatheads like to nestle down in that that stuff, and you know you can fish all around those barge cells. Well, it won't be very long till my favorite fishing will be coming up, as long as the water conditions will will withstand it. And my favorite place to fish, on, especially on big rivers, is right below a dam. Uh, and and right before spawn. A lot of those big females will go up in there and they'll gorge themselves because they know they're going to be out of And males too, but the females are usually the giants. But they'll go up in there and they'll feed up uh, before they go on that nest. And you can go in there and you can catch some giants. Uh, and then again, right after the spawn, when they, after they leave that nest, 
they haven't ate in a few days, and they're going to go to where the the bait's at and the auction's at to re get to get themselves back in condition after that because they've been fighting and carrying on and everything else. And uh, below them dams is one of my favorite places. And uh, you know, we used to live up north where we go to the Clarksville Dam, and it's it's a big old dam and and you catch the right day in there when them things are going in there feeding and, and people will tell you, oh, there's, you know, you're not going to catch anything 30, 40 pounds. Well, them big boys have come to them dams. It's the biggest piece of structure in any river, and it is got the most auction of any place on the river. So if yeah. they're they're putting the feed bag on, that's the place to check. Now, my brother, he likes to fish above the dam, uh, and he does very well doing that. He really does. Uh, he's got some pigs above the dam, but I like it below the dam, and I like the seam right between the locks uh, is is one of my favorite places, and, and the fish won't stage and feed in every seam. Uh, as it comes through them, the water comes through them locks, there'll be a seam in between those locks, and they'll use up like a highway to go up and down in there to get in and out of that fast water and, and to get in there and rest, and if you can, can hook up with one of them, and you may hit two or three of them and not catch any fish, but when you hit the one that they're using that day, you're liable to catch a whole bunch of fish. Yeah. Uh, barges. Big I like to target barges this time of year. Barges are really hot. Uh, I don't target empty barges. And more or less the reason I don't target an empty barge is it's not sitting down in the water far enough. Uh, when Up here, they load those barges full of coal, and that barge sits 14 feet in the water, so fully loaded. And uh, you know, if I if I roll up and uh, right alongside a barge, and I see it's like 22, 21 foot deep, then you know I'll take my Rodan, I'll drop it, and just start working the whole front side and of the of that barge, and uh, try to get them baits bounce back up underneath that barge. You know. Usually they'll lay back off of the front end of a barge about 20, 30 yards or so. And uh, I just I just try to put on as light a bait as I can and just let it let the current kind of roll it back in there to those guys. And if you can get to a spot where a barge is parked just out away from the bank and there's water going beside yeah. it, and if you can get your boat positioned where you can fish that spot, if it's, say, it's 8, 10, 12, 15 foot deep, that's another really good area. And, and I like to find barges, if I can find them, that's been sitting there for a real long period of time. Yeah. Uh, the longer of it's, that's yeah. right, the longer that barge has been there, the better place it is to fish. And if yeah. you find one like that and you catch a bunch of fish, I don't expect you to tell anybody because they're hard to come by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really are, but they're they're great places, and, and like I say, that's a lot of there's a lot of bait around the barges because they get underneath there. Not only do the blues and the flatheads and stuff get underneath them things in the shade, and when the when the sun's beating down on them, so does that bait fish. Yeah, well, the bait fish, you know, they get, they have to find current breaks. They their bodies aren't designed to handle that current, so that they gotta get in behind stuff and rest and do that, but uh, blues, flatheads, they, they, they come right, they're opportunists, they know where they're at. Well, I know I've said this many a times on these shows, but I am convinced that it doesn't matter how strong the current is, them blues like it. 
They like it strong. They like it fast, <laughs> and they can stay in it for long periods of time. And you can catch them out there in that pretty regularly. But if you find a time when they're going up in some slack water rest, you can nail them. Yeah. And I've caught a lot of flatheads, big flatheads, 50 pounders, in ripping current. Yep. You know, everybody yep. says well, flatheads don't like current being. I, if it's bringing food to them, they're going to be there. The biggest flathead I ever caught was right below the Clarksville Dam on the Mississippi River. And I, I don't remember how big it was. It's pretty good. Uh, Cindy and I was down there fishing one night, and and uh, I I throwed uh, a live bluegill up beside there. I said, told Cindy, I said, I don't know if there's any flatheads in here or not. I said, but hell, them them blues will eat bluegill too. And uh, pretty soon my line went slack, and I started reeling up, and I couldn't catch up with it, and it went from as f close to the dam as I could get casting to behind the boat before I got caught up with it. I mean. That old gal was was headed out of town. She didn't want no part of that. I, she and she was gut hooked. Now she she was gut hooked, uh, and uh, we fooled around there with her, and she kind of quit bleeding, and I I turned her back loose. But she was a, she was a dandy flathead, and uh, there's for guys that, that don't catch a lot of flathead, when you get one of them babies, and uh, you may reel it in, and it may get below your boat when it's stuck on the bottom, and you can't get it up off off the bottom. That's probably what it is, and, and uh, when you start forcing them up, that's when you start breaking and tearing up stuff because you just keep steady pressure on them, and they give a little bit. You take it, you'll be a lot better off than trying to just pry them up off that bottom. Just let them let them run their course, and you get them out of there. They even in even in calm water, uh, they can't stand the pressure for so long. But in that current, they, they they'll have to give it up sooner or later. Yep. Yeah, there's uh, you know, there's different baits I've heard guys that uh, you know, I've met some guys from Chattanooga and they'll go in the springtime down below the dams and they'll use uh, you know, go buy chicken breast at the grocery store, and they've done it because they've done it year after year during the spring, and they'll get below them dams. I mean, not to right below them, but you know, within you know a, a half a mile and just bounce down the the uh, you know, just bounce down the river with the current. They'll run back up and just bounce with the current. And uh, for some reason, they'll get down there with that uh, raw chicken breast and just have have a field day on them big catfish. I don't I know, know guys. I know guys that use those chicken breasts and they'll soak them in beef blood. Some guys soak them in shrimp oil, juice, whatever you want to call it. There's a million things you can do, but the the thing is. Uh, the chicken breasts seem to stay on a hook pretty good. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that's why they use it. Now, you know, I, I'm not a firm believer, and I'm not downgrading anybody's product. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, a lot of that uh, bait enhancer that you spray on or you rub on, I've tried all of it. I never caught nothing on any of it, and maybe it's just the way I'm using it. I don't know. But I know the guys that, that deal with a blood-type issue or a natural scent type issue of some type seem to have a better success rate from what I've been around than guys that buy this stuff that's supposed to be super whatever uh, and spray it on or, or marinate it in it or whatever but a natural product and that makes more sense to me but uh, I, you know I know some old guys that that, that doctor up some, some chicken breast and they ain't telling me what they're doing to it and 
when nothing else is working, they're catching fish. So they're doing something oh, yeah. that, that the rest of us haven't figured out. You know, and, and that's like Chuck and I talked a long time ago, Doc. You, you may have seen the show or you may not have. But you get guys like Daryl and Jason Maskill and Jeff Dodd and these guys. Them are some of the finest fishermen there is in the world. But so I think some of them boys have got something figured out that some of the rest of us don't have figured out. Yep. Yep, and you know, you know they'll, they'll fish together. Uh, you know, Dot will come fish with Bridges, or you know, fish with uh, Kerry Long or George Young Jr. Or you know, there's this one little group that I think they all shared the secrets and kind of vowed, "Hey, man, <laughs> you know, just don't, just don't let it out." But you know, yeah, you know, here we are talking about that. Chuck, Doc's probably in that group. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's one of the big problems that I have. I share a lot of information. And, yeah, I need to. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it comes back and bites me every now and then. But well, you want to, you know, especially if you figure it out yourself and you're successful using it, it feels good to share it because you figured it out yourself. And yeah, you know, well, any, anytime you know, I do that and I have a success in it. It makes me feel good about being able to help people on something that I was able to come up with myself. Somebody else may be doing it, but um, I figured it out myself. You know, we've got had a lot of really quality people as guests on our show. And a lot of them guys have shared some really good information. And some yeah. of the stuff we talked about today, a lot of people may know and a lot of others may not know about, but it's, it's solid information that's tried and true and it's it's no bull stuff around. Uh, the stuff that we're telling you is stuff that we we do ourselves and we believe in. And uh, Larry Mew shared a lot of really cool stuff with us that he didn't have to. And, and when he's telling this, he knew that everybody that watches the show was going to get this information. And yeah. I mean, uh, every time that we have somebody on the show that shares a tidbit like that, I instantly start getting messages and comments uh, in different places from people that watch the show about how great that was that them guys would put that out. Well, uh, all of them, Larry is, is one of them, they want the sport to grow, and they realize for catfishing to grow and continue to be as good or better as it is, that we have to share some of this information so other guys can be successful too. And if that means that you get uh, taken to the woods at, at a tournament down the road or you take that guy out and he catches more fish than you, that's okay. It's okay because you've either had your day at a tournament or you've had your day when you caught the most fish or whatever. And if you share some of that information with them guys, they're interested in the sport. They're going to tell their friends. They're going to tell their kids. They're going to take their wife, their grandkids, and they're going to go fishing. And that's what Catfish Weekly is started out about, you know, was, yeah. was making it better so everybody could have a higher success rate. But when I called when I called Larry Muse that day, we had him on our very first show, and I asked him, I, I sent him a message, said, "Hey man, will you share that uh, that tube rig you've been using?" And he came back and said, "No problem, I'll have one ready for the show." I, I text Lyle, I said, "Hey man, Larry said he's gonna show us that tube rig." <laughs> Lyle said, "All right." I you said, know, and right after that, we was at. Yeah, it was a great show. Larry was a super guest, and we was right after that. We was down at Monsters on the Ohio, and he did that video with with uh, Steve Douglas. 
Yeah. They done, they done an excellent yeah. job out there at night after everybody's come in from fishing. They got out there around the boats and shot that video. It was an excellent video. And then they went upstairs to, I don't know, one of them's room and continued the, the interview. And they talked about different things and stuff and how they uh, they designed it. And, and some of that Larry had talked about on our show and other stuff that, that we didn't get on the show or, you know, just it didn't get brought up. Uh, uh, Steve got it on, on his video. And it was, you know, that's a quality deal. And, and yeah. you know, you these guys, you know, you people catch these things like this and, and somebody tells you something or you read it or you see it on one of the videos or on a show or something, send them guys a message and thank them for doing that because let me tell you, them guys don't have to share that information. They're doing it because right. they want you to do better. And most all of them guys, and I know I've done it, I know, and, and a lot of these big-name guys, uh, they'll you'll catch them and they'll talk to you at tournaments or they'll talk to you at Bass Pro Shop and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. They'll give you an honest evaluation. They're not going to bullcrap you around and, and feed you some line of stuff just to see if you'll take it. If them guys tell you something, that's what they're doing or they believe that's the correct way and, and I've never had anybody... Uh, and you know, I wouldn't ask them for a fishing spot, you know. But right. I've actually, I've actually, I've, I've talked to you, Doc, and say, hey, I, I'm struggling. You know, we're in this kind of water, and 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 we'll discuss going to a different setup on water, maybe a drop off, or maybe the main channel, or or maybe something else. And, and uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it don't. Just because it's working in Ohio doesn't mean it work in Missouri, but it doesn't right. mean that it won't either, you know. No, but when you share information like that, you know, it may click something in your mind that tells you, you know, I need to do this or I need to go here, you know, that kind of right. stuff. Well, what That's Larry, exactly right. What Larry Muse said was exactly, he said, well, I, I'll tell you anything that you want to know that I do. Uh, if, you, if you turn around and beat me at it, you're beating me at my own game. That's yeah. right. So look, yeah. this is how you do it. Now let's go play, cause I can do it better. If he goes out there and he does it better every time and he keeps winning, that's because you have perfected it. He's got it perfected. So Larry's been doing this a really long time, and he was yeah. using that that dragon rig for a long time before anybody ever knew about it. And I promise yeah. you, that man knows how to use that rig. Yes, yeah. he said he's yeah. had it in swimming pools, bathtub. Uh, Swimming pools, dragging it across swimming pools to see exactly how it's going to work. Throw stuff in the bottom of the pool, dragging it over it, seeing how it goes over stuff. And you know, we've had some 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 of the really cool guys on, and and we got a lot that 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 we're not getting because of internet connections or there's time schedules and different things and we'll, we'll get them when it works out my man we're, we're want, we want Jason Bridges on here so bad he's so much fun and so knowledgeable and you'll not find a better guy and I know I've tried to get Jason Jackson on and and he's working all the time and, and if you got a job you got to take care of it you might not get another good one and we'll get all these guys on and many many more uh, when it when we can fit it in there but one of the people that we had on years ago, Doc, or a couple years ago, that, that I would love to have, I'd like to have Daryl and Jason back on sometime. They was outstanding guests. But Jeff Dodd is so much fun. Uh, I really would like to. 
the old sad daddy himself. I'd like to get him back on the show, and if we don't get him set up sometime, uh, because I know he he's working his tail off or is going to be in that doing that farming thing. Uh, maybe when we get to Memphis, we can get him down there. Uh, I'm not sure the world could stand it, but if he we could get Jeff and Gerald, Daryl and Jason on to a show at the same time, I'm telling you, I I think it'd be the greatest show of ever. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, those guys yeah. have a blast together. You talk about Larry Muse. Uh, I've known him a bunch of years, and we've shared a lot of information over the years. Uh, you know, CR tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, he sat down with Lynn and I one morning for a couple hours, and we talked about fishing and stuff. That's the year they won that CR tournament. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I told him I said, "Man, I said when you when you start talking, you're like E.F. Hutton." That's right. I just I listen to everything that comes out of your mouth. You know, I listen to it. I am very intent on listening to what you have to say. Oh, yeah. We was down to the Catfish Conference, and we stayed the night. You know, you, you was down there. Yeah. And we, yeah. we stayed the night and had a blast down there. Got up the next morning, and I'll go down to, to get me some of that breakfast that they have there at the motel, and Larry was sitting in there, and him and I got to talking, and I would have stayed there and listened to him all day because – we talked about fishing. We talked about people. We and he's so enjoyable to listen to, and oh, such yeah. a great guy. And, and there's nobody that that uh, that cares any more about helping other people uh, than Larry Muse. And and I, you know, I just enjoy being with around him and stuff. And uh, yeah. we had him on the show a couple times, and we'll get him back on because uh, he just he's just a great guest to have on the show. Oh yeah, uh, when me and you was at the Catfish Conference, you know, up at uh, at the Catfish Weekly table and everything, and Larry went on. We was both dying to get back there, uh, we, but we had to, you know, we had to do what we was there to do. But it was killing us to miss, miss Larry Muse back there, <laughs> spilling his guts. It was, oh, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's killing us. <laughs> well, you know, and Carl Morris is another one, and Carl. Oh, yeah is a wealth of information and a very well he's a he's a perfect guest on a show because he's so he does everything so well and uh, I wanted to listen to his uh, uh, presentation on on uh, uh, preparation for tournaments because I've started a video a couple times and we work on it here and we work on it there about how we prepare to go these places and and I really wanted to get some of Carl's on there and the man after that was over and I didn't get to see it and then they talked about putting them up on, on YouTube and everybody get to watch them and then something was going on and they didn't get to see them. Oh, damn, I missed that. <laughs> and boom, one day I looked at Steve's name popped up and it said something about a video and I scrolled back down there to it and there was all the videos from the Catfish Conference and, and I clicked on I watched, sat here and watched every one of them. Like I say, while I'm working, I'll just turn the videos on. I'll turn my monitor around on the computer and I'll keep working and if they say something I think I need to see I'll look over there and stop for a minute and I'll just keep going. But uh, that was all of those was very good. Yeah. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed Carl's and Larry's and, and, and Mark's and all of them guys. They've they done a really good job. And the one on the live wells I thought was exceptionally well done. And the yeah. video they put out after that was even better. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah, the, the one on the uh, oxygen tank Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah she Making did that, very, you know, that very, was, very good job on that. You know, and Teresa and Dave, they've done a really good job on that. But now we tried and tried for a long time to get Teresa on, on Catfish Weekly and Dave, and Dave would do it. 
but he wanted to do it with Teresa, and and I kind of wanted them together. But I would have took Dave, you know, any time as a guest. Dave's a super guy, very knowledgeable, competitive catfisherman. And Teresa would just didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. We asked her two years in a row at Monsters on Ohio, and she just no, I I don't want to do it. And um, she done such a great job on that video, and her and Janet got on and done an interview with Chuck and I down at the Catfish Conference, and, and those two was outstanding. Now they didn't give up what I was asking for, no. but they still they <laughs> got a bang up either. job. <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure you're right, but yeah. but them two, them two ladies done a. No, but they probably done as good a job on the interview or better than anybody else, you know. And I'm not down on anybody. Don't misunderstand me. But, but Janet Teresa was excellent guests, and I would love to have Dave and Teresa. And I know they're watching. They told me they're watching every every week. Every if they, would, if they, yeah, if they have the setup to do it, I would love to have them on there. We'll talk about live wells. We'll talk about catching them blues and going to tournaments, Teresa, and I still gonna be after you to find out how you catch them big old flatheads now. Yeah, and it's not because Dave and Bink tells them not to tell us. They're not telling no. us because they don't want us to know. Uh uh. They're, <laughs> you know, they're Larry, part of that team. If Larry Muse can share stuff with us and Doc Lang can share stuff with us, Teresa can tell me how she catches them flatheads. Yeah, and she's probably telling Dave, Don't you tell nobody you know, so it's her. You know, her not wanting to let it out. So that that they probably go, have a problem with it. You know, Trace's probably we saying, go to ah. these tournaments and we all been to these tournaments, Monsters on the Ohio and stuff. And at night, we're all standing out there shooting the bull and having a blast talking to all them. And and uh, you never hear old Jan and Teresa ever say anything about. Well, we caught this, or we caught that, or how's the fishing today? You know, they won't talk about something else. They don't want to let it slip how they're catching them flatheads. And I and I'm not going to give up on them. I know one of them's going to make a mistake. They're going to let me have some information one of these days. Oh yeah, <laughs> guys, it's ten after. We're probably boring the crap out of everybody. We didn't even have a topic we, hardly, and we're, we're these the shows when we get <laughs> when we get going, man. I love these shows. They just Oh, I know we had 38 people watching live a while ago, and that wasn't that many in chat, but I have a thing that tells viewers on here, and, and it's still a great night when you have that many no telling how many's watching on YouTube. So, uh, Chuck, if you have any closing statements at this time, go ahead and let's get her done. Uh, nothing, you know, uh, that, that Tennessee River Monster Tournament coming up, you know, it's, you know, four months away or so, and, and you know, to me, I was very excited my first year going to the Monsters of Ohio and, and just excited the second year, but there's something special about this tournament that's brewing. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, the most competitive atmosphere I've ever seen was Monsters of the Ohio. Um, you know, because, for one thing, because of the fishery, you know. It, it's not known for, you know, numerous 70s, 80s, and 90s in the tournament like a, a lot of these other tournaments that are very... They, everybody knows that everybody has the exact same challenges. They're going to have the exact same weather, and it don't matter if that river was only full of, you know, maximum 40-pounders. The competitive spirit and everybody's going after that that, that biggest 40. Um you know, but but this tournament that's brewing on the Mississippi, um, it's going to be bringing guys that I don't think would, would make a make such a long trip 
as many numerous people. You know, a lot of people came from long distances, but I believe we're going to see guys coming from South Carolina, you know, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, um, Kansas City, you know, Iowa, Louisiana, uh, Florida. I think um, California, Chuck. I think I, California, yeah. and I think Arizona too. Yeah, I think some of them guys. So I mean, this is going to be the the this this one's going to take the cake for the the you know the the numerous states that are representing a catfish tournament. I think this right here is going to take the cake on that one because um, you know it, it's just the Mississippi River. It's something. It's on everybody's bucket list. Even the guys that fish it all the time, um, you know, they love it. They don't want to go fish anywhere else, uh, you know, and, and it's just such a, it's known for gigantic uh, catfish of, uh, you know, world class where, you know, they may be, you know, some 200 pounders swimming in there and, and one day one's going to pop up. I mean, it's, um, it's just unbelievable and you get so many good talented competitive catfishermen in one spot at one time. On such a river like that, um, it's going to be a, a very, very competitive uh, tournament. And, and just being there and participating in it, you know, a top 20 to me would be like, you know, bringing home the gold. I mean, compared yeah. to, you know, what's going on down there. Um, you know, I think, you know, the top 20 may be even in the money from what. Yes, I think so. Yeah, but and that, I mean, that purse. That purse is climbing every every just every time a new sponsor jumps on, and they're getting new people involved with this all the time. So by the time that this is done, there's no telling what the payout will be, but it's going to be good. Yeah, and I, all I'm thinking about is, is that tournament coming up. You know, getting <laughs> getting prepared for it, getting uh you know getting the boat ready. Uh, you know, the, I've never fished that type of river before, so it's going to be a brand new thing to me. Pre-fishing is going to be very important. You know, we're going to be having our catfish weekly shows. We're going to be wore out, but, I mean, it's going to be totally worth everything we're putting into this. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We are going to have fun. It's we going are. to be great. Um, you know, being able to get out there on that river and, and knocking it off the bucket list and at the same time fishing against you know, 200 of the best catfishing teams in the country. Um, uh, yeah, from California to Pennsylvania, from Arizona to New Jersey. I mean, guys are going to be coming in from everywhere, and it's going to be awesome. Well, Chuck, uh, uh, that's just like going to the Monsters. If you don't have a motel room uh, at one of the host places, you better be getting on the stick. It's getting late in the game now, and I know it's months and months away. But those things are going to, if they're not filled up, they will be. So, uh, and entries, the longer you wait, the further down the road. And I noticed Aaron was putting on a, uh, a bunch of people that had signed up for, for Monsters on the Ohio the other day. Uh, again, you know, and, and he's got, he's got uh, entries coming in all the time. And, and uh, so if you're not entered in these, these big events, you need to get involved with them. Yeah, it's... Um you know, looking forward to these tournaments. You know, it's fun going out with the guys on the weekend and doing a little bit of catfishing stuff locally. But you know, that this is what what it all comes down to. You know, getting out 
and and getting around all these guys, I mean, it's just awesome. The Monsters of Ohio was probably the best time of my life. It's I mean, a blast. considering anything that I've ever did, and you know, going to a different city that's you know known for its, um, you know, different type of cultures and being able to do other things while we're in the city. Um, Who I done mean, other things? Going to you know, going out to eat at different restaurants. Oh, I was gonna say all I did was eat and fished. Yeah, I mean, that's weekly show. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be great. You know, going out to eat with the guys and uh, the 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 fishing teams and uh, eating some of that good barbecue they got up there and no telling them what else we're gonna be doing, but it's it's gonna be great. I'm waiting for them to have a big tournament down in Larry Muse country or in the state of Louisiana or something like that because Larry promised me that uh, if we ever got down there to where we was going to be down there to the tournament, he'd take me out on a crawdad feed, and I want to try that so bad. I've watched them guys do that in TV shows. I've watched them do it online and cook them things, and I want to try them so bad, but I want somebody that really, really knows how to do it right so I know that when I eat them, I'm getting the best there is, and I just can't wait. Well, then Morel mushrooms, I've never tried one, and y'all are killing me. <laughs> Everybody's like, man, it's the best thing in the world. And I'm like, man, I, you know, mushrooms are okay to me, but I've never had a Morel. They're different. They're, they're different than what you buy in the store, I promise you, Chuck. I mean, I've yeah. tasted the Morel from the store, but they're saying that's not the real thing. No, they're not. Totally different. Yeah, it is. Doc, what do you got for closing statements and tip of the night? Well, this weekend is a Tri-State Catfish Shootout, uh, April 30th, Tanner's Creek in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, 8-4. to four. This is a tournament that Vince Nadosky puts on. A bunch of clubs get involved, four or five different clubs. I don't know who all they are. I should have wrote that information down, but I failed to do so earlier. Uh, we got to talking and before we came live on the show. So that's this weekend. Uh, Doc's tip for tonight, hopefully I don't knock any lights out or anything, is guys, one of the very first things you need to do when you, you know, everybody, we all get out there, we get all excited, get the bait out and everything, but check those drags. Way, easiest way to do it is if you can just pull it out, it should be smooth. If it's doing that chuck, chuck, chuck thing, then you've got a problem with your drag. You need to get it fixed. When these fish hit, you know, they they waste a rod, they waste a drag, and uh, you just need to make sure that that drag is working properly before you put a bait in the water because after you have the bait in the water and the fish has already dropped the rod and he's running uh, south of the border. That's not the time to find out that your drag has failed. That's exactly right. And, yeah, and, and I don't want to cut in on your, your tip, Doc, but I will add something to that. Uh, every real manufacturer on the market will tell you, and, and I'm guilty of this and I know a lot of other guys are, when you're not using that reel, Back the drag off because them sticking and jerking like you're talking about, that is caused from them sitting with them washers pushed up against each other all the time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, when you got a big fish on, you don't want to be seeing that. I call it chucking because it's yuck. That's right. You don't want to be seeing that. Right. They ought to take it. You're not going to wear a big fish down 
if it's chucking. Nope. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Well, that's a great tip. And, that's uh, tip for the night. That's a good one. Thank you so much for that, Doc. I want to mention that, like I say, Alex Nagy and Elizabeth put on a, an excellent show up there at the Jack and Jill tournament. You guys uh, start making preparations if you can make that next year. You'll have a blast. It's a ton of fun. We pack a motel up there every year, and, and it's just a really good time. But the next Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournament will be the Battle at Burlington, May the 8th, 7 a.m. till 3. Uh, five fish limit up there on Channel Cat because above Keokuk, you won't catch any blues above Keokuk Dam. Uh, on the Mississippi River, it'll be a great time. Uh, there's a Cat River Anchor Giveaway, Driftmaster Rod Holder Giveaway. Uh, there's $500 worth of CR bonus raffle money. If you're in a Sea Ark boat and you fish that tournament and they pull your name out of the hat, no matter or your boat number out of the hat, no matter what where you finished, even if you didn't catch a fish, it's 500 bucks in your pocket. So Sea uh, Ark has has helped out and Dave's Marine uh, with that, and and those guys are stepping up and and that's what's making these these tournaments grow like they're growing and, and uh, get up in there if you live in the Burlington area or even if you don't it's worth traveling to it'll be a great turnout up there and some of the greatest channel catfishing uh, that we have in in the uh, probably 150 mile area of me you know or however far it is it may be further than that now but I love fishing up there at Burlington it's a great place to fish and, and good water so uh, I think that'll do it for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. And for Chuck Davis and Doc Flying, I'm Lyle Stokes, and we will see you next Monday night on Catfish Weekly. <laughs>